from the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. I'm Rendon Hunt. And you're in the hunt. Sir. Today, we are going to be talking about sometimes you should fight. Not all the time, but sometimes you should fight. Mm-hmm. You see, you wake up late for school and you don't want to go. You beg your mama, please. <laughs> And she still says no. I didn't, you know, see, I didn't know where you were going with it. <laughs> you got to fight. For your right. To for party. your right. I knew it. <laughs> to party. No, no, no. <laughs> to party! <laughs> no, you got to make it sound politician. See, you know, you, you got to fight for, for your right <laughs> to party. You got to fight for, for your right. For, for your right. You know, put the inflection in it. You got to fight for, for your right <laughs> to party. 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 <laughs> party. Sometimes yeah. you got to fight. And I was having a conversation with mom earlier this week. Okay. And she reminded me of something that I had not thought of in a very long time. When I was in elementary school, third or fourth grade, one of the two, I had some kids that were picking on me because I was wearing a tie to school. And this is a little bit out of the ordinary because most kids thought it was cool, wasn't a big deal. Most of the time people didn't say anything. Certainly the administrators thought it was a good idea, cool. You know, we talked about this before. It was Dapper Day. We were showing up as our best selves. But there were a couple of kids who were making fun of me for wearing a tie. And it didn't bother me that much. I mean, even I can go back and think about you know my yeah. feelings at the time. It was kind of like these, these guys don't know what they're talking about. It's yeah. not a big deal. It didn't. Especially somebody making fun of you like that you're wearing a tie, but they look like hot garbage. You know? Yeah. It's like it's like you. I mean, you, you barely put on pants today. Obviously, you're making fun of <laughs> you're making fun of me. <laughs> like you're like you didn't even put on deodorant because and I, you're, and you're making fun of my tie because I look nice. So like the, the the source always matters too. You gotta you gotta invent. And mom and dad were always good about that too. They're always good about, hey, c- consider the source. Who, who's saying? And I had told mom that, that this was happening from time to time, and, and mom had made some of the administration aware of it, like, hey, this kid is picking on him. And, but it wasn't the time to be elevated because, quite frankly, A, it wasn't that big of a deal at this point. Mm-hmm. And B, I think that our parents had instilled in us a level of confidence where I knew that it didn't define me. And even in my own sophomoric way at the time, I knew it wasn't about me and it was probably about them. I mean, look at them pants last week. I mean, you talk about confidence, okay? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I wonder if they instill a little, a little too much, a little too much confidence. I tell you, keep tuning in. I got some live ones coming. <laughs> we got a live one on the hook. Oh, got a live man. one. <laughs> so, so, so walking here with a leotard. <laughs> 
But if you did, it's fine. It's fine if you did. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying. You own it. You would own it. You just wear a confidence. 2021, you'll walk in here with the leader leotard. Not that anything's wrong with that. Not that anything's wrong with that. Leotards are great. Sorry, 2021. Some of my best friends are leotards. Some of my best friends were some of my best friends were leotards. Totally fine. So I go to I go to school on this particular day and it's always interesting the things that you remember because I remember this day like it was yesterday. And we had a, a PE class and I had on a clip-on tie, which wasn't really normal. I guess most of our ties at that point, we, we learned how to tie ties very early. Very early on. So I had a clip-on, which, which wasn't that standard, but I also had a tie tack in it, right, to keep it close to, to my shirt. So I had on this clip-on and this tie tack, and these kids are, are kind of razzing me, razzing me, and I'm just, you know, whatever. I'm kind of walking away. And it was two of them. And one of the kids turns me around, and the other one yanks my tie down. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I remember this so well is because I actually wasn't that mad that he pulled my tie on. I was mad that I happened to have a clip-on this day and I look like I didn't tie my own tie. Yeah. So I was mad because, hey man, you're making me look bad. Now it looks like I wear clip-ons every day. I don't wear clip-ons every day. <laughs> Normally I tie my tie. <laughs> to me, this was an important distinction in the story. <laughs> Pulls my tie down, says a couple things, and I punch him in the face. Punch him in the face. Yeah. And go to the principal's office. Good. All of that happens. Good. And I, was, that. and I was terrified when I punched him. He put his hands on you. Yes. I, I was terrified when I punched him, though, because my first thing was, what are mom and dad oh, yeah. going to say? Yeah. Like, how are they going to discipline me? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. There was never disciplining for that. No. The teachers had told mom that these kids had been trying to pick on me and razz me for a while. My mom said, hey, you knew that there was gonna be a punishment for this, you did it, you have your punishment there, but at the same time, stick up for yourself. Yeah, and, and, our, and our parents were strict parents, by the way, so it's not like- That's why it, I was it, terrified it, of- It's not the, like my parents, mom and dad never condoned violence under any circumstances. No. But to your point about there being a, a time to fight, and that certainly is a moment in life to where either you stick up for yourself or people will continue to walk all over you in perpetuity. Yes. And I feel like, you know, where is that line and where does that line get drawn and how and how do we know when it is? Yes. And it's called judgment. You have an idea on when it is. You don't do that. You know, you, you would never behave that way if it happened the first couple of times, because, again, you walk away, you turn the other cheek. But at some point in time, you got to turn other cheeks. Well, I, yeah, I, I like I like what you did, See what there. I did there. I like that. One. Part of this, too, is, you know me well. I am not a violent person no, by not. any stretch of the imagination. No, you're not. And I know that looking at the two of us, one would probably say, if I'm picking on somebody, I should probably pick on Wesley. Because Rendon would probably drop me in a hot second. He's a little more jacked than Wesley. Um, you know, he, he would probably... 
Oh, sorry, man. I was just like, sorry. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you even saying? <laughs> so, I'm <mean>, some speechless. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of something smart ass to say. And I, I'm just like, what are you? Are you serious? <laughs> it would be like, remember that Remember that Pistons game where they had that big melee? Yes. With Ron yeah. Artest. How can I forget? Yes. With, with, with yeah, Meta Jer- World Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal. Meta yeah. World. Yeah. They'll change his Meta name World, Meta World. World. Piece. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. It was the funniest thing because there was the foul. Ron Artest looked up. He saw Ben Wallace and he went and hit somebody in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, let me go hit one of these spectators. <laughs> Probably don't want to mess with that guy. <laughs> but there's this interesting point about how. I am not a violent person at all. Yeah. And I think that I mean, you went to the Navy. Right? Have, ouch. <laughs> what? 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 I mean, Arthur Apaches, whatever. <laughs> you went to the Navy. I think that what happens is that these things become, we have people yeah. who are career grenade throwers. Mm-hmm. They don't want to fix anything. Come on. They don't want to make anything better. They want to talk trash, and they want to lob grenades. All they want to do like is that. fight. Professional grenade throwers. Yes. Yeah. All they want to do is fight. And offer no solutions, by the way. They and they don't want to, do want to fight. fight to get to, to any type of consensus. All they want to do is fight. It's like Ronald Reagan said. I'm just paraphrasing. If you have an argument... And you get over 80% of what you want, you want it. You won. We don't have to get 100%. You want it. You don't have to Particularly get when it comes to government, you won. Absolutely. And by the way, you're not going to get 100%. And if you're shooting for 100% of everything all the time, guess what? Welcome to our political situation that we see every day right now in this country. Welcome, welcome, to, welcome to it's either $6 trillion or nothing. Welcome to life because... There is are going to be kids in your class who make fun of you for wearing a tie yeah. while everybody else is saying, hey, you look really nice. There's always going to be that person. That's a good example. Yeah. That wants to poke and prod at you. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's appropriate to fight back. Judgment. When is it appropriate to fight back? Yeah. And how do we and what circumstances is it important? Because sometimes you should never fight back. Most of the time, time you, you shouldn't you shouldn't fight you back. shouldn't fight back. And that goes back. I love what you were saying about turning the other cheek. Most of the time you shouldn't fight. And you certainly shouldn't repay a negative with another negative. OK. But there's times in which in an appropriate way you should stand up and speak for yourself. And what's that Jay-Z verse? A wise man once said, don't argue with fools. From a dif- because from a distance, a stranger can't tell who was who. Don't argue with fools. I mean, oftentimes, you're right. Walking away and turning away is actually going to be the, the best and smarter bet, particularly when it's an asinine argument. Yes. And you know what those boys learned when they were messing with me? You'll quote Jay-Z, I'll, I'll quote Tupac. I ain't a killer, but don't push me. <laughs> We'll leave. We'll leave out the next verse. Yeah, yeah the, the next, the next, the next verse is totally. It's, it, it, I got you. As a matter of fact, don't even Google it. 
Forget <laughs> I said. Look, as a matter of fact, the like Lil Wayne said, because then if they Google Lil Wayne's, they won't yeah. find the next verse of the yeah, two. Yeah, like Lil go. Wayne said, I ain't a killer. Yeah, little push <laughs> like Lil Wayne said. <laughs> yeah, Moolah, baby. <laughs> um, but it is it is important to think about when is it appropriate to fight slash stick up for yourself slash say something. At some point, we do reach our breaking point. There were so many times over the course of your campaign where I would read what people were saying about you on social Mm -hmm. media, or I would hear things that people would call me and say and ask questions and disguise of of somehow trying to be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) And... And, thanks, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate thanks. it. Yeah. Do you know that these elections are really hard? Like, really? <laughs> no, it's hard to get elected to Congress. You don't you say. You gotta be kidding me. You don't say. I thought you just, I thought you just filled out a piece of paper and you're in. Yeah. But during that whole process, there were many times where I had to realize some things you just let go. Yeah. You just, you don't, you don't have to fight every battle. You don't have to fight every war. One of my best friends, Frank Leha, he was a White House fellow with me. He's a retired colonel in the greatest army in the world. And Frank said something really interesting to me when we met as White House fellows. He told me, you're going too fast, man. I was like, what are you talking about, man? That sounds like stuff Maverick would say to Ice. He's like... (laughs) Or Iceman would say to Maverick, yeah. going too fast, going man. too fast, man. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Frank broke it down in only the way that he can. He said, "Man, I know you have a Hemi under the hood. I know you do, but you don't have to rev it up all the time." Yeah. And he was talking about just life and getting to the first point and getting to the next point and getting to the next thing, yeah. rather than, "Hey, man, it's not always appropriate to rev that up. You don't always have to." And I find myself having that conversation all the time with my son right because everything is fast for him hey is this fast is this fast and sometimes you're like hey Hemi, man Hemi Rice got a Formula One engine okay yeah and you know what I'm like sometimes you know what the best pitch is it's a change up man it's a knuckleball sometimes that's the best pitch doesn't always have to be fast and and this is what we're seeing I think in our politics is we think everybody has to fight in a certain way it has to be a certain way wait a minute when are we going to get back to the change up of civility? Mm-hmm. How are we going to get there? And certain things that are said, we're seeing it this week based on Tim Scott's speech. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it with. I thought it was very good, actually. I thought it was if very good. As well. speech, it was a very good speech, actually. It, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, we are now sitting here talking about just, you know, race and who's racist in America. I can't believe a black man said America's not racist. We're focusing on all these, like, on all these things that, that didn't even come close to embodying the speech that he gave and him talking about his experience in America and his family and being a black senator in a southern state as a conservative. And he's the person given this speech and the rebuttal. Uh, to the State of the Union address, like we're, we're missing all of these really good monumental things. Well, we were looking to flamethrow him from the very beginning. The, and when I say even, we, I mean collective yeah. society. It's 
we were looking, oh no, it's a black guy, it's an Oreo, we're going to come back to that, coming in there to say something, we were looking to discredit him without listening to what he had to say. To a point where, you know, I don't even agree with the premise of this idea, America is not a racist country. We've talked about this before. It's the idea of racist and anti-racist. That is not a fixed identity. I don't personally believe that you can call America racist any more than you can call it anti-racist. Because I think there are things that have been done in our culture that are very racist, and there are things that have done in our culture that have been very anti-racist that have provided opportunities for people. But it's not a fixed identity of what the country is. And it never will be, by the way. So I disagree with the premise. However... What he's saying and what he's trying to do is to bring people together with a vision of where we've come from. That's what he's trying to do. So you can take that and splice words and and surmix a lot as much as you want. But what he's trying to say is there are opportunities here for people of all different creeds. Of all different races, which which by definition— in his explanation of it that I actually tend to agree with, means that it's not a racist country per se. And they continue to get better. And they continue to get better. And so here's also what I find interesting. So Kamala Harris the next day and Joe Biden the next day said the exact same thing. Hey. Said the exact same thing. And Wesley. But but they got a pass for it or whatever was even discussed. Consist- consistency. Just be consistent. If you're, if you're going to say, if you're going to light Tim Scott on fire because I can't believe a black man said that, well, well, wait. Well, the next day, uh, the next day, a biracial woman. Biracial and a, woman. And a white man said that. And a, now, and, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> the person who says this really matters. So because Tim Scott. At a certain point, and Kamala Harris. Yes. For her saying the state, and, and, and they caveated it. They said the same first clause. And then I don't believe this is a racist. And then, and then, cave, and then and they, they had their, 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 their whatever exactly, they were saying. Yeah. So coming from Kamala Harris, I respect that. Okay. You've gotten to where you've gotten, and you're saying that this isn't a racist country, and you're biracial, Indian, and black. Coming from Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe you ain't black if you vote for Trump Biden. Joe 94 crime bill Biden. Joe corn pop Biden. Come on, man. Like, like once again, I can only go. You talk about fighting. I can only go so far in who I will allow to lecture me on certain issues. Yes. Just like Gary O'Connor. Right. Get him. The Lamar Democratic uh, Party chair. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Gary. You can't call people Oreos, man. Sorry. Sorry. You can't call people Oreos. And today, you, he should lose his job for that. And he did. He resigned. And, and he's by, losing his job. And by the way, and by the way, let's be clear about something, too. Look, at least finally we're seeing some parity here. Because could you imagine if Republicans said that? Well, and with this parity point, this goes back to, to, to what I think about what Tim Scott said, being consistent. If you're going to light him on fire for saying something, you need to light Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on fire for saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just like consistency, all these Republicans who are coming out and demanding for him to resign, mm-hmm. Gary O'Connor, and, and, and being outraged, mm-hmm. hey, guys, when Republicans say stuff like that, too, I better hear you. I better. Where are you going to be? I better. Where you at? Mm-hmm. It's consistency. 
But Rita, that's the problem. There really, there really is no consistency in our society. There's no consistency in the media. Uh, Trudeau, Trudeau, blackface, blackface. Literally, he is still the, he is still the prime minister. Okay, and dressed up in blatant blackface. Who's the governor, governor of Virginia? Who's the governor? I'm getting there. Who's the governor of Virginia? Rita, could you imagine? Could you imagine if these were Republican white men who did this? Could you imagine? And Rinda, these are other people of color and other liberal Democrats that are continuing to put them back in office. And there's a picture of him in a yearbook in blackface. And once again, I will fight about who I allow to lecture me on stuff. I will fight on that. Yes. yes. Not okay. Not okay. And I want to see some consistency and parity here. And, once, and, and, and we have talked about this before. Do I believe that people can change? Of course. Absolutely. Do I believe that that moment defines the people, that, no. that, that person? No. Do I believe that, that we should be in cancel culture where they all of a sudden can't serve because of that? That's actually not what I'm saying. I know that. That's not what I'm saying. I, in, fact, I, I, in, fact, in fact, I would like to think that we could forgive them if they apologized and wanted to move on, just like we would forgive anybody from the on other both side. sides of the aisle. That's on all I sides. want. Yeah. So if you're going to cancel the Republican, you better cancel the Democrats too. Hey. But if you're not going to cancel a Democrat for for, for dressed up in blackface, then th- then you cannot cancel the Republican either. If they both apologize and we want to move on with this. Yes. What's the, what's anyone to view Joy Behar? Yes. I don't know how she gets a pass for her blackface moment too. I don't understand this, friend, and this is beyond me. And then she, she makes the excuse, Whoopi said that it was different. Whoopi said that oh, it wasn't black. Oh, because, oh, okay. Because Whoopi is the judge, jury, and executioner for black America. She's the viceroy oh, of black America. Okay. I, I, I forgot. Oh, okay. oh, that's right. You had a black friend that said it was okay that you used the N-word. Oh, so that works for everybody, everybody else. Yeah. You, so, so that absolves you from any discretion around using it with other people. Oh, okay. Um, no, no. Ah, I see. No, but yeah. if it fits your agenda or fits your political leanings or fits your side of the party, then, well, it's, well, you know, you know, that's just different because really, you know, it's like, it's like Bill Maher, right? Bill Maher's another one. And, yes. you know, and Bill Maher is consistent. And Bill Maher, by the way, is a comedian. And I think Bill Maher, in certain things, is actually, actually kind of a funny guy. I do, too. So I saw him live in Vegas. Yeah. We don't see the world the same way, but he's pretty consistent in his views and his, and his actions. Wesley, you don't have to see the world the same way to think somebody's entertaining or funny or interesting or provocative. Unfortunately, we live in a world where I have to actually say that and state it. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's, it's, it's so sad. It's, it's true. Because somehow we're pompous enough to believe that every if everybody were like us, this world would be a better place. Yes. What well, a, I do wish everyone thought like us. What an unruly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, well, there was this time like five years ago that I was wrong. <laughs> so I horrible. was wearing white pants and I, and I wore and I wore red underwear and no, you can see it, and no. it rained no. and it rained and everybody could see my red underwear. I, I, I wore white pants and it was after Labor Day. It was <laughs> it was September. It was September third. <laughs> It was September 3rd, and I had no idea September 3rd. I thought it was August 28th, man. Yeah, I made that serious sucker mistake one time. I, I, did. Did. <laughs> I did. My bad. It happens okay, to the best guys. of us. Hey. You, you got to learn. Hey. You, you live and you learn. <laughs> um, but I love this conversation because that's kind of the, the point that we keep making is just like it, it's, we're talking about consistency. And, and back to talking about when you fight for things, you're, we're talking about Tim Scott. We're talking about him getting called Norio. We're talking about 
the the now hashtag Uncle Tim, which is now trending. And I'm looking at all this, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is the woke left that's giving him all these monikers. And you're supposed to be the ones that are that's supposed to be more accepting. And you're supposed to protect him. You're supposed that that's that that is a pillar of being liberal, right? Yes. Is that you don't go after people because they think differently than you. Yes. That's what it means to be liberal, have a liberal idea of the world. Yeah. You actually protect those that that may think in a way that's antithetical to the way you view the world. And these are the people that are lighting him on fire. And what cracks me up even more, Rendon, it's it's white people. What? How are you telling a black man who grew up in the South, who is the senator from South Carolina, how he is supposed to think as a black man? Whoo! And just because maybe you don't see it that way or you don't agree, you actually don't have the right to do that. And if you think you do, <laughs> I guess that's a real slave owner mentality now, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to tell that black man how, how he's he supposed to think. think. And let me tell you. It's what's, insulting. Let me tell you what's just as bad as the slave owner mentality. The slave mentality of people don't stand up and say that that's wrong. Oh. Oh. The black community should because be defending you've, him. You've been in this situation and I've been in this situation where people assume they know what I think about things. Or assume that they have the authority to tell me what I should well, think what about I should something. Think. As if I can't think really? for myself and my set of experiences and what I've seen in my own world. Really? Really. Okay. Okay. Really? Cool story. Trust me, I make a check mark of that all the time. All the time. Yeah. We had we have a, a family friend that that was it was after church and she was concerned that, oh, I, that I was a that I was a Republican. Oh, she was concerned. concerned. She was concerned, and, and yeah. Wesley, you know, how could you? Because she's shocked now, and she hadn't been concerned her your whole life. That, and I've noticed women my entire life. But all of a sudden, it's a concern because now you're willing concerned. to you're willing to speak on behalf of what oh. you believe. Oh. So it's a concern now. You like me if I believe the same thing that oh, you believe. Okay. But if I have an independent thought, then you're, you're concerned. That's concerning. You're concerned. That's concerning. So you're concerned about the guy, the West Point guy that can fly a helicopter that has three master's degrees, and I can't think for myself. You're concerned now. You're concerned that, that how could you possibly be a part of a racist party? What? It's like, how could you possibly be part of a racist society? What, what kind of question, question is that? that? This goes back to one, of the, to one of the talks that we had earlier, and that's, it's like, instead of being concerned, be inquisitive. Hey. It just, it, hey, Wesley, hey, let's grab coffee. I want to talk politics with you. How'd you get here? Why aren't you a Democrat? Why do you believe this? Help me. I would be more than happy to elucidate them. And I'm sure these individuals would learn quite a bit from that conversation. Yes. Would I turn them into Republicans? No. But would they have a healthy understanding of why I am wh who I am, why we are who we are, why I'm sitting here, after just probably a few examples of what I'm talking about? And, and, and having the opportunity to explain. You may not agree, but you won't be concerned anymore. But wait a minute, Rendon. You only want to be concerned because you want to pat me on my head. <laughs> you want to pat me on my head and you want to say, Oh, he's poor little black kid. He's lost. Yeah. 
he he can't think for himself. He doesn't understand. He's being used. Oh, I'm okay. Oh, so I'm not smart enough to realize okay. the situation I'm in. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's interesting. Okay, it just keeps it just keeps getting better, doesn't it? That's interesting. I can't think for myself. You keep digging. You just keep digging this hole. You know what's really interesting too, and it actually comes from from a relatively benevolent place. Absolutely. They don't. They're not doing this on purpose. Wesley, if I they're, they're being racist and demeaning, and, and, and they're not doing. They're not doing it. They don't even Wesley, realize they're doing it. And that's part of the reason why it's important for them to have the conversation and get to know you and have this conversation because, as you know. I'm very happy to have these conversations. Open. That's, it's, that's why we it's have a, not. It's why we have a podcast. Yes, because do you know what I've realized over time is I've come into my own as a person. Doesn't make me uncomfortable. No, it doesn't. I've been black my whole life. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me uncomfortable to talk about race. I've had to stare race in the face my entire life. Yes. So. This whole idea that oh I feel sorry for you and, and I'll feel sorry from you for you from a distance and you know I you can't really understand. think for yourself you're being and at the same time once again it's this idea of the same people who are allowing the Uncle Tim thing to stand up because it goes back to the Ibram Kendi point that we've talked about before anti racist racist mm-hmm. if you don't stand up and fight and say something as people are tearing this man down for what he said, you might be part of the problem. Might be. You're the problem. You snicker under your breath, oh, <laughs> he's a Republican, so just just let them lay You're into the him. You're the problem. Hmm. You see, you, see, you see, black Democrats and black liberals should be the ones, the, the first ones to the trough, saying, I don't agree with that statement, but if this is about race and you want to you want to race bait him and race bait this entire situation, hold on, you don't get to do that. I may not agree with him, but I'm defending his opinion as a black man. Wesley, how many times have you seen me defend Barack Obama on things that are race related? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah there's certain things that you just don't get to say to this guy. Sorry, that's what I choose to fight on. Yeah, sorry, and part of the reason I choose to fight on it is because. Mm, I understand a little bit about the, the, the doors that he's walked through. Yeah. I've been in some of those situations again, before. Politically, you're right. We don't, I, don't, I don't align, really. No. But on, the, on these specific points, oh, I actually get it. Yeah, because you've been there. Because you, because you have perspective. Yeah. And I would argue that that's even perspective when you think about having people of different— Why is it important for the Republican Party to have— Black people. Rinda, we have a two-party system. We have Democrats and we have Republicans. Okay, so so let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Every single black person should be a Democrat, meaning that not a single black voice should be on the other side of the aisle in a two-party system. So what you're asking for, what you're saying is is this. You better hope that if that one party wins and you have zero representation in it, they'll look out for you. Whoa. You better hope you have some advocate in there. Whoa. You better hope you have somebody who's willing to what you're fight. Saying, what you're saying is we are monolithic. That's what you're saying. We are all robots. We, are, we as black people are all supposed to think the same way. Really. And you don't want any leadership whatsoever for people of color that are Republicans. That's what you're saying. How progressive of you. No, what's, what's, what's the, the token phrase? 
representation matters. Oh. Unless it's a Republican black person in the party, and then rep- representation doesn't matter oh. anymore because uh, that person's an Uncle okay. Tom and an Oreo and a sellout. Uncle Tim. Uncle Tim, sorry. Uncle yeah, Tim. yeah. Uncle Tim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Unacceptable. Not okay. And the thing that's beautiful about us having this conversation, me knowing you very well and you knowing me very well, if the same thing were said about a black Democrat, what would I be saying right Oh, now? we'd be saying the same thing. I'd be incensed in the same way. Yes. But we are consistent, though. Yeah. I recognize that. This is, this is not, this is not a, a, a policy or a political conversation. This is, this is a moral one, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I always like to take these conversations back to just people in general. Because we get so hyperbolic when we see all of this rhetoric and all this crazy stuff on social media, and it just just keeps getting kicked up over and over and over again. And then I think back to my life today. I had lunch at Taste of Texas with 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 Ed Hendy. Ah, wonderful place, and a wonderful man. Yeah, he is. Wonderful man, wonderful family, good guy. Yeah, he is. White guy. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. God fearing man. Rendon ate at his restaurant. We talked. We chatted. We had a cup of coffee together. His lovely wife came over and said hello. I mean, this is, this is the America, literally, that I yeah. see. And in his restaurant, in his restaurant, packed. Packed. Black people. Yes. White people. Hispanic people. Just enjoying a damn good salad. The cheese wedges are amazing, and a good old steak. No, I like that uh, that chicken with the with the cheese and the spinach oh, in it. Yeah, you would like that. That that dish. Yeah, you would like. You would like. It and is pretty good. Simple plug for that chocolate cake too. Ch- chocolate cake is good, and the, quail, and the quail bites. Are, quail bites are. Quail bites are really good. Anyway, I'm a fan. But that that's my day to day though. Yeah. And so when Tim Scott makes that comment, and if I turn the TV off and then just think about my day to day. My interactions with 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 my fellow Houstonians and, and Texans today, and not just today, day in and day out. Well, it's the idea that Brandon. because you have an experience, that you can't interpret what your experience is being a black man in America. Exactly, Brendan. Yes, there are no two experiences that are the same. No. But if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. My experience in America is the experience of a black man. My history is black history because I'm black. Yes. So the idea that we can cut and parse, whether it be Tim Scott or Will Hurd or J.C. Watt or Michael Steele or Clarence Thomas, whether it be any of these people, the thing that I can tell you with 100% certainty is they all have very different experiences in the United States of America. Every last one of them. And I can also tell you that all of their experiences are indeed the black experience in the United States of America. And in the aggregate, we are all the black experience. Yes. And just because it may not fit the box that you think the black experience is, does it make our experiences less black? Hey, man, just because you turn green and you can get all big, and you can jump from building this to building. That's what we're doing today. And and crush things. That's what we're doing today. <laughs> and I have this suit that I made of metal, <laughs> and I can open it up 
and it shoots lasers, so I'm holding and I so can I'm fly. Your Iron Man. That's what we're doing. <laughs> but we're still both Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> But the Hulk could kick your ass. <laughs> Jarvis. Jar- Jarvis. Jarvis. What's the big one? Jarvis. What's like the super suit, like the super Hulk suit? You know, the big oh, one that he uses? Yeah. What's it called? I can't think of um, it. Speaking of movies, very simple plug, uh, non sequitur. I was watching, have you seen Tenet yet? Yeah. What is that about? I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, Rendon. What is that about? Yeah, they missed they missed, they missed that one, dude. They missed that one, and, and I, I my guess is they they, they spent a ton of money on it because I mean it. I tried some of the fight scenes were all, like watching a fight scene in reverse. It's really cool. It's kind of cool until you realize that you could just watch the Matrix and press rewind and it's the exact same thing. Well, well, <laughs> well. See, in the Matrix, you know why they're fighting. In Tenet. I don't know why. I don't so, know. <laughs> I tried to explain this because there's one thing I will say. Denzel's son, and I feel bad for him. John, I believe his name is. I feel bad when you're Denzel's son because your name is kind of Denzel's son. Yeah. No matter what, no you matter do. what your name is. Like his name is Denzel's. <laughs> What's his name? Denzel's that, son. Denzel's Denzel son. Right? That, 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 that Washington yeah, boy. That's how you explain you know, who he yeah. is, right? <laughs> and the thing that I loved about him is, man, he's as cool as his dad. He just has it. He just has like that 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 way of of, yeah, of he needs moving. To, he needs to be in movies that, that he needs to be in movies that showcase that. <laughs> <laughs> that, my, that, I, that I understand. I, <laughs> that I understand the premise. So I started watching, and I'm not all the way through. And I'm I'm I mean I probably have 30 minutes left. You, and, you don't waste your time. <laughs> Stop. Those 30 minutes. You're not gonna get it. You're, you're, you're only gonna make it work. So I was trying to explain this to my wife Waddell. Explain what. I was, trying to <laughs> I was trying to explain something that I don't understand. And, and I, I told her, I said, I'm pretty sure you have to have at least a master's in physics to even begin to understand what this movie is talking about. And so I'm trying R- to. Ex- R- 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 the only person that can understand that movie is one man on this, that's currently living. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. It makes perfect sense to him. He's like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. seen. He's the only person in the world. Yeah. He's only, I, I, otherwise, if, if you ain't, and if you ain't him, you ain't black. You don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so does he have a black experience, Neil deGrasse Tyson? I, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, of course he does. Yeah. He's black, isn't so, he? Yeah. So I tried, to, I tried to explain. I got about a sentence into this. I'm like... Yeah, I'm not really understanding this movie. She's like, well, what is it about? I'm like, well, (laughs) energy can go in reverse. (laughs) So you like shoot a guy, but the bullet goes back into the gun. And she just looked at me and I turned around and I walked back. (laughs) (laughs) So, So do you know what movie pushed the limit? But I understood it. Inception. Inception. Yeah, and I'm it's right. It's one with of my you. top five favorite movies of all time. I'm right time. with you. I mean, I mean, it pushed. And that was my, right on. The, that was right on it. that cusp. But I got it. Yeah, I, I could. I could explain Inception to someone. Yeah, yeah. It was right. Kind of. It, it, it was right on that cusp. But Tenet. Yeah, Tenet went. I mean, you want to talk about when when to choose to fight? Man, whoever was the editor should have fought hard. Should have fought that, on that man. one. <laughs> they should have fought on that. Like like guys. Guys, people aren't getting this. And, and, and you know it's bad. You know it's bad when when I'm an, I'm an hour and a half into the And you know how I am. I don't like to not get things. Me neither. 
Rinna, I even so I googled it and I googled the synopsis. I'm on and Wikipedia I, and I'm reading the reading synopsis and, and, and it's making it worse. <laughs> it's only getting worse. And they're explaining stuff and I'm like, but Rinna, I'm minute, trying to I, read about it scene by scene while I'm watching it. How did I miss that? <laughs> <laughs> and they called the on the uh, the Wikipedia page the protagonist. Yeah. And I'm like, is that is that his name? <laughs> when they pulled his yeah. Anyway, anyway, at some point you got to choose when and when not to fight. Yeah. And, not a completely off-topic thing, but you saw that in a lot of Denzel movies. Yeah. When he reached the breaking point. Mm-hmm. Man on Fire. Mm-hmm. Hell, Malcolm X. What was, what's the other one when he, uh, where he, um, he was, he played the guy in the hardware store Oh yeah, and he's the, and there were a couple like a of sequ- equalizer, equalizer, the equalizer. Yeah, when he, yeah, yeah, when he started messing with his friends and his yeah. family, broke him. Yeah, he started shooting people with nail guns. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Whoa, it was awesome. Whoa. <laughs> and so I guess that's the line. I crossed the line. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I guess when Denzel pulls out a nail gun, yeah, it's, it's, so, I think we've, we've gone too far. So that's the line, huh? That's yeah. the line. Yeah. But and you see it in politics, you see it in culture, you see it in family. And there were a number of times, even in in our early upbringing, one of the things that, that resonates with me the most, I might have told the story before, it's an important story to me. When I was in seventh grade, so the first time going to a new school. So I had transitioned from public school to private school at this point, and I was one of two black males in the class at the time. I ended up being the only one who graduated, but I was one of two black males in the class at the time. And in one of my first classes in English, the book that we were assigned to read was Huckleberry Finn. So we're reading Huckleberry Finn out loud in the seventh grade, and I'm the only black person that's in the class. Unbelievable. New school. The level of, I can't even quantify. It's character building. It was character building. But I can't even quantify the emotion. Like now, I don't even know what that, it it was was more embarrassment than it was anger. And I just didn't want to be in there. But the reason I bring this up is because when you talk about when is it appropriate to fight. That wasn't appropriate to fight. It was appropriate for Diane Hunt to fight. Mom went in there, took care of the situation. They never did that again, period. Yeah. Not for our grade, not for any grade subsequent after that. Yeah. Because she handled it in the way, and actually the, the, the irony of it is, I actually think the way that, that I handled it, it was fine, but it was actually also, there's this piece too, Wesley, of knowing when it's our fight to fight. Yeah, you, you can't fight all the time too. Like you can't. You but know. you understand what I'm saying? I like know like, exactly like saying. Knowing, knowing when that fight actually, and I didn't fight it anyway. Yeah. But that fight was mom's fight. That was a parent that, that was a fight for her to fight with the with the administration, a conversation that she needed to have. And there's been times on the campaign trail, you know, it's like, you know, if somebody's asking me a question, like at some point, like, go talk to Wesley, man. Yeah. That, that, like some some fights are fights that you don't need to be fighting. The problem is, I think, more broadly in our culture, is we've gotten to a point where we think that every fight is worth a knockdown drag out. Just because you have a hammer doesn't make every problem a nail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and everything doesn't have to be a knockdown drag out. And then, all, and then also, how do we differentiate? How, how do how do we differentiate fights from substantive, meaningful discussions? <laughs> like everybody wants to fight, 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 and not like talk, 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 talk. We could avoid a lot of fights if we just talk. Well, we could avoid a lot of fights if we don't make assumptions, but we ask questions. Yes, that's rooted in in one simple word: trust. Yeah. Perhaps I can throw another one in there. Respect. Yeah. If I trust that somebody's curious, it goes back to there have been multiple times in my life where I have been in situations where people have said things to me and I could have chosen to be offended and to take it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I chose to use those situations as an opportunity to build a relationship. It happens all the time, right? Then, to be I, rooted in trust. You know, I think that's that's the thing about even us and our experience and even being at St. John's and being at West Point and being in being at Champion Forest and predominantly white environments. And that's like these people actually welcomed us in their lives. They did. And then every now and again something gets said that's a bit off color, but their intention is not to hurt us. I mean, by God, we're sitting there eating dinner at the dinner table. They want us there. But a lot of times there's a, there's, a, there's a learning curve here that has to happen that people don't understand because they aren't around a lot of people like us. Yeah. And so that's getting to that level of trust. Of trust. Yeah. Like, I trust you're not trying to hurt my feelings, but hey, you may want to think about that because that could be an offensive thing to say. Yes. And there was this, there was one fight. I want to finish one thing. I want to, oh, I, I want to, I want to make this point. Yeah. Uh, playing basketball. A dear friend of mine today, won't put him on blast, playing basketball, he called me a boy. Okay? Now... How long ago was this? This was in middle school. Yeah. And, by the way, come to think of it, he called everybody boy. Yeah. It wasn't... This wasn't a thing just sent toward... Sent to me. But I kind of got a little hurt about it yeah. because of what the... Of what the... What, what the insinuation is of calling a young... Hey, boy. Yeah. Okay? He had no idea. Yeah. He had no idea. And when I explained it to him, I talked to him about it, he was like, dude, I didn't even know that, man. And you probably were closer after it because he now has a higher level of respect for you and you have a higher level Renan, of respect. Renan, we're for very him. good friends today. Yeah. I have very good friends. Yeah. I'll never, but I'll never forget that instant because it was kind of, it was kind of tentious. It, it was, there was some tension at that time. You know, there was some contention there. And then it just hit me like, he didn't even know. No. So am I really going to condemn somebody or, or think they're a bad person or a bad human being because they, they actually just didn't even know? Hey, man, if somebody has something on their face, are you going to tell them? Hey. Do you have the courage to step up and tell them? Mm -hmm. And that's another fight that I believe that we have, have chosen to fight. And I, I believe that, that we've been blessed and fortunate to be in a position to fight this fight. When you're walking through doors and you're the only one that looks like you, you immediately become representative of a whole group of people. Mm -hmm. And that's a fight that not only am I comfortable with fighting, not only am I happy to fight, um, I think it's imperative that we continue to fight that fight for the next generation. It's imperative that we continue to have conversations 
where the next generation of people who want to be independent thinkers and don't want to be told what they should be thinking, it's important for us to fight this fight and have this conversation so that they feel emboldened to do this as well. Not so that they can believe and agree with everything that we say, but so that they have the freedom to think for themselves. That's what we're fighting for, Rendon. And I'll always fight for that. I agree. We got to fight for that. I gave a speech last week, and I said, this is very interesting. You talk about fighting. You talk about fighting for the next generation. Think about, think about our lineage here. Think about our generations that we've seen over the course of the past four generations. And I thought to myself, our great-great-grandfather was a slave, so his son could be free, so his son could be an officer, so his son could be a congressman. Think about that. Each generation had to fight for that next progression. Somebody had to do something extraordinary to get to that next phase. Somebody had to do exactly what you just said right here. How do we encourage the next generation to be free thinkers without being condemned for how they feel their political views, their ideology, regardless of what the color of their skin might be? what their gender is, sexual orientation. Like, how do we empower people, the next generation, to have the freedom to do that? So that our sons or our daughters can be the president. Hmm. That's what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my favorite movies. It's not Tenet. Perhaps, <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> you know how you spend time watching something, you turn it off, and you're like, I can't get that back. <laughs> and it's funny because it's about rewinding. I was like, I wish I could just rewind, rewind myself my life. back to the point where I sat down and watched this. And then decided to watch. To stop doing that. And just like decided to watch, a, watch Rambo or something again. <laughs> or watch uh, the movie that I'm going to mention. There's one thing that it got wrong. The movie is Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club's amazing. First rule of Fight Club is... You don't talk about Fight Club. talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is... You don't don't talk talk about about Fight Club. That's the only thing the movie got wrong. We got to talk about Fight Club, man. Yeah. It's how it gets bigger. It's how it gets better. This this is what we're talking about. That's how we grow the brand. Let, let Let me tell you what. Those were the rules of Fight Club... Clearly, nobody adhered to those rules. To those rules anyway. Because if nobody talked about Fight Club, then, then Fight Club would have only been two people. Like at some point, you have to say, "Hey whoa, whoa, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're going to meet in the basement." Two people, one person, <laughs> one person <laughs> punching himself in the face. He was punching himself in the face. <laughs> you see, Fight Club was one person, <laughs> yes. two actors, one, one person. person. <laughs> Tyler Durden is indeed not a second person. No, he's not. He's the same guy. But you think about that's the one thing they got wrong in that movie. We should talk about Fight Club. We need to be talking about these fights that are happening right now. Because if it's worth fighting for, it damn sure is worth talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to talk about it, it's this this passive-aggressive petty culture, patty cake culture that we have right Mm now. Where things happen and we just kind of let them go. No, man. If it's something that's worth talking about, that's worth your energy, that's worth your passion, step up. Mm-hmm. And I don't say this just to people who agree with me. I say it to people who don't agree with me. Mm-hmm. Step up. Mm-hmm. Be the change you want to see in society. This is where we've come. 
So, you know, I also think about our parents is just in general. We're coming up here on the heels of Mother's Day and people fighting you know, for their children and for their grandchildren and hmm. for their posterity. I do want to take time to thank the mothers out there that really have done more than their fill. Our mom, our mom, Waddell, Emily, they go the extra mile to make sure that there is a future for our children, for yeah. our grandchildren. And it is Diane Hunt that, that played a huge role in us doing this right here, right now, and raising us and rearing us to think for ourselves, to be our own independent men, to be educated, to be bold, to be brave. It all starts from the bravery that's oftentimes displayed by our moms. And it's sobering to come to grips with the fact that the most important role that we will have in our lives are as parents. Yeah. The influence that we'll have, you talk about the next generation, why does it mean so much to me? It means so much to me because I'm invested. Yeah. And I appreciate, respect, and love the investment that was put in me by my mother. Mm-hmm and appreciate, love, and respect the investment that my wife, Waddell, is putting in our children. Yep, same for our, same, same for our mother and same, same for Emily. We, we've had the very good opportunity to see two very, three very good uh, mothers doing it right, and there's no surprise of the success of their posterity because they put the work in. This is something that we always talk about usually, and we usually get back to, there really is only one real privilege in this world, and it's called parent privilege. I talk about this all the time. Everyone thinks it's money, or being a white man, or being, no, no, no. It's, it's actually parents that are there to nurture, guide, discipline, and show you the ways of the world in a positive light. Those who have that, regardless of what your race, religion, color, creed are, are going to be in a better position in life. So if there's anything that I want to just be as, as, as show, show as much gratitude as I possibly can for is a lot of the reason why we are here is literally because we were steered by good parenting. And we'll get on father. We'll talk about fathers when Father's Day comes up here in the next yeah. in the next couple of months. But um, we can't talk about this show and we can't do what we're doing right now without mom. Yeah. Who was willing to fight the right fight? Yes. And not fight some fights. Yeah. Yeah. You must choose your battles. Choose your battles. So, that said, I'll let you take us out. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, belated by the time you hear this. And remember, smiles are contagious, so make someone's day. God bless you. Thank you.